Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Mum and Dad, directed by Brian Taylor and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. In a sleepy suburban town, parents are suddenly overcome by the need to murder their children. I think it's worldwide. Yes, but the movie it's, is set in a yes. sleepy little town. I think it's heavily implied that the problem is, like, because there's British people on the TV talking about it and stuff, so I think it's suddenly everywhere in the world this mm. happens. Yeah. Um, but we never get an answer no, on, no, on we, how we or why, so that's that, a spoiler, sorry. That, that. that is accurate. We'll do a quick spoiler-free section on this one, but we're not sure who will have seen this film. It is a pretty niche one. We watched it as part of a an, like indie American festival. Uh, here it debuted at um, Toronto last year and has had some, like, done a bit of the festival circuit but this is uh, basically Selma Blair and Nick Cage trying to kill their children and we saw that it was on and we could not resist watching it no I, I fully I was just like oh my god it's like an opportunity for you know Nick Cage to go full Nick Cage in a movie that looks watchable <laughs> so, yeah exactly and Selma Blair which was really fun to me and yeah the, the concept seemed like fun um but yeah I mean if the if the concept appeals to you then go see it because it delivers on that premise. Yes. Essentially, it delivers on the premise of Nick Cage goes crazy and tries to kill his kids. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, if that doesn't appeal to you, the movie probably won't. No. We had one walkout in our Did session. They? Yeah, there's a couple uh, uh, two people walked out maybe 20 minutes in. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if it's not for you, it's probably really not for you. Mm. But if it is for you, you will find it quite funny yeah. and yeah, I mean, you got you definitely got to go into it with the right kind of mindset. Um, I don't think it's one you can just kind of accidentally see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is, um, and it's like, I think it's one for people who are that kind of thriller horror enthusiasts, like mm. horror comedy enthusiasts sort of thing. Yeah. Um, because that's very much the vein of what the movie is, and I can see it being kind of a cult hit. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the rest of what I want to say about it, I think falls under spoilers so yeah let's yeah let's not say too much more about it and, and put the rest under a spoiler warning so we'll talk spoilers now yeah um so for me the the biggest problem i had with this movie is the ending mm. um because it doesn't have one it just doesn't have one no it just stops we get no closure on anything we get no explanation of what's happened there's nothing it just like stops yeah it's in what seems like mid-scene well it stops on a good line yeah. which is that we really love you kids and then the but, the implied rest of the line, but sometimes we want to kill you. But no, he it, says, but sometimes we really want to, and then it ends. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, and like, which is a really uh, common uh, phrase, right? Mm. It's it's very. I thought this was a great movie that we watched. We watched this on Mother's Day weekend, <laughs> and there's another one out this weekend that we haven't seen yet, and we don't know whether we're going to get to um, called Tully, which is also about like the very like the reality of like modern parenting and things like that. And it's got a lot of really interesting, I think, social commentary about the way the world is, the way the world is about parenting, especially parenting in this day and age and like um, ideas about biology. And, and it's really interesting subversion of a lot of strongly held taboos about protecting mm. your children and the bond between mother and child is greater than anything and all that sort of stuff. And I, I loved that aspect of it. It was mm. just, it was absolutely not afraid to get into that, those two. For me, it was a bit hit and miss with that. Um, some of it's really, really insightful and clever mm. and scary and funny. Um, the scene where Selma Blair's at the hospital with her sister is maybe the best part of the movie. It's, oh, it's so fantastic. great. Um, 
and really affecting but also has time for like the funny horror comedy stuff yeah. um so that was i think maybe my favorite part but then there's that scene in the basement when nick cage goes all crazy and then starts crying and Samuel bless starts crying and i'm half of it was just like gobbledygook to me see i thought that was what, what really good scene as well well be, but the lines that they're saying are so kind of like s- some of it hits and then some of it, then they just kind of go off on a tangent of something else and i was like what is this scene actually saying so it, it frustrated me that like any scenes where people were talking for longer than about 30 seconds kind of went off the rails a bit for me yeah um also the scene where nick cage is talking to his son about the car and i was like this seems really odd and really inappropriate in a lot of ways, but like really odd to me. And like his relationship with the son, he, we never see his relationship with the daughter and his relationship with the son is very strange. The son as a whole makes no sense. Why isn't he at school? It They never explain why this, I'm guessing seven or eight year old is at home all day while yeah. his sister's at school. Yeah, it's really weird. And he's not doing homeschool. He's just left there with the housekeeper and her daughter. Which implies that he's much younger than he is. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. But he's clearly like a primary schooler. Yeah. Yeah. I was baffled by that. That was so confusing to me. Yeah. I I I was like, is he sick? Is there some reason for that? Because he's in his pajamas all day. It would make sense if he was sick. But it never says that. Yeah. Yeah. I just sort of went with it. I was like, clearly the film wants him at home for some reason. And so they've just put him at home. And it, I mean, the movie doesn't explain a lot of things. It doesn't explain what makes all these parents suddenly want to kill their children. Like, I think the implication is that they've been targeted somehow by like aliens or some sort what? of weapon that, like, because the guy was like, "Well, we turn the um, instinct to protect into an instinct to kill." Right. I, like, yeah, and you're supposed to work that out yourself. Like, the filmmaker, in fact, won't confirm it. He actually says, "You're not supposed to know." Yeah. And he, he won't even tell the cast what what it's supposed to be like he obviously he probably has an idea i think everyone has an idea of what it is but it's, you never get told that that actually works for it to be honest yeah that i don't mind so much that's fine because the characters don't know so it's okay if we don't know yeah to me but the characters must know where the kids at home yes so i feel like we should know because they know yeah that that's just, more of an issue to me um yeah i, I because like you tell, tell you said that to me once and i was like uh-huh yeah oh well and then I just went with it. But you being a teacher were like every time you saw him at home when everyone else was at school, it bothered you <laughs> it intensely that he then no that <laughs> he's just been left at home. Um and And the housekeeper's daughter is there too. Right. Why isn't she at school? As as primary school finished and high school still yeah. continued. Like give me something. Because the housekeeper's daughter's probably the same age or yeah. a little bit older. She'd also be at school. It just mm. doesn't I don't I don't know. Those things always bother me. Because I'm yeah. like, this is a huge like loophole in this movie just to you know have what they want to happen happen you, you could explain it away in a line mm. and that's the thing well but okay i'm curious to know if you've seen any other brian taylor movies uh i think i've seen the he did um crash didn't he crank crank sorry yeah i've seen that the first okay. crank which was he did with his directing partner um form i think former, former director, directing yeah, partner they they're, they're not working together anymore but um so i've seen that but it was definitely new and different. Like the way of filming, the way of storytelling. Mm. I actually thought it was quite innovative and interesting. Like the bits that looked like they were shot on iPhone um, mm. and probably were. And there was a lot, I thought it was a really interesting, it never fully showed the violence. It almost always pulled away. But you, you saw oh, the, this movie. This movie. Okay. Um, you, you, you saw the, the blood 
or the uh, and and but a lot of the violence was not actually shown. Like every time anyone sees a, a almost all the dead bodies, like the dead bird in the car and the dead Lisa in the dumpster, like it's all some the actor's reaction. Like they see the thing and there's a smell and the sound of flies and I don't know that was really clever something to talk about on that front since we're discussing that is how much damage is done to the black boy as opposed to everyone else well any other kids in this movie not by only some of only a very small amount of it by his own parent yeah Uh, they're Kendall and Brent um his girlfriend's parents do more damage to him than his own father yes um and his own father he gets in the way of them killing their kids yeah it's pretty Which terrible is, is like the only sort it's of main really odd because he mm. is the heroic character mm. so he is the hero but he also gets a whole lot of really nasty like injuries would probably have killed him injuries like, oh, yeah, he gets definitely. to he gets to survive but he would definitely be dead yeah but so wouldn't it cage yes yes i mean yeah the the explosion would yeah. have gotten him that or just falling the first time could have gotten him yeah. like you know they they'd yeah. be dead so and and like and there's a lot of damage done also to Lance Henriksen and yeah. stuff like that. But but they do end up extensively dead. I think yes, they, they, Nick Cage's parents. Um, yeah. So that uh, I mean it. Yeah, there's definitely some racial politics going on there. Um, yeah, that's really problematic. The, the the thing is, he's like the most heroic character, right? And then the yeah. daughter. Yes. But the beginning of the movie seems almost solely to focus on Selma Blair. Or mostly to focus on Selma Blair. Mm, there's a lot of And her. then the daughter who is kind of not a very fleshed out character. Whereas Selma Blair's a really well fleshed out character. She's probably the most fle- well, well fleshed out yeah. character at the beginning of the movie. We are, uh, Seeing as you brought this up and you also talked about the scene earlier, I think there's that there's this really interesting bit of social commentary running through this about like women as mothers and um, like the expectation on women to be mothers. And the, that scene where Nick Cage is, is in a fairly classic male midlife crisis, fancy car, putting a pool room in, setting up a man cave. And his wife finds him and he's she's like, you know, you could have consulted me about this. And he goes on and on about how hard his life is and mm. things didn't turn out the way he expected them. And Selma Blair gives a really great impassioned speech about how you think you think you've got it bad for midlife crises you should see what it's like for women like as a woman you know you kind of you've got this thing hanging over your head from when you're very young that eventually you will have children you will replace yourself the whole planned obsolescence thing that the teacher does earlier in the thing and i just thought it was really it, i don't know i thought it was really interesting and she um and her I, life was and we set they set her up very i think well with sort of she's going through all the motions of well-to-do middle-class motherhood but the reality of that is something different i think that's interesting i i think it's interesting conceptually i think selma blair was great in that scene i just really think it could have been written better right right because probably uh, some of those ideas just didn't get across to me like she what she actually says is that yeah you have this whole thing hanging over you and then she kind of trails off and then she says something else and then it kind of trails off and she doesn't actually kind of finish any of the points. Right. Um, and that like those, they don't connect up properly to me. I, I got really frustrated in that scene because oh. I just was like, I don't know. I, I felt like the movie was trying to express something and it wasn't fully connecting for me. It certainly doesn't go as far as I would like it to go I uh, because like I, I very much understand that feeling, but it, 
where it's trying to where it should go is the whole damned if you do damned if you don't like the whole you um you either fulfill your destiny to become a mother or you become an outcast kind of thing like there's um you you just like that there's no way to win basically at yeah being a and woman. it's also implied that it's a natural thing rather than a societal thing yeah in her yeah. speech like it's it's this kind of thing where he doesn't have the same connection with his children that she does. Right. Because she's a mother and she carried them inside her and all that sort yeah. of thing. And that's also really implied when her sister has the baby. Yeah, well. yeah. Like that's – Yeah, so this whole you go through this – one of the most horrible, violent and visceral experiences of giving birth mm. and then immediately afterwards you have a rush of hormones that is, you know, the, the greatest love you'll ever experience, right? Mm. Um, and that I think bears examining like what of that is cultural and what of that is biological. Yeah. And – that is where the film is that it's most interesting, but it yeah. also um, I don't think it digs into that quite enough because it's kind of it it's got a, it gets distracted by the fun violence things like that. It's not like it didn't have time. This is only eighty three minutes long. We could have easily had a little bit more time to flesh things out a little bit. Yes, and that scene could have yeah they they just spent a little bit more time tightening up the script and talking mm, because to you're, women. <laughs> you well, that's the thing you're supposed to understand it. Like someone I guess like a Selma Blair who's like I don't know forty five and a mother. She probably understands all that she's saying very implicitly, right? But you kind of have it kind of has to be clearer for the Nick Cages of the world, like the dads, the the men who are like, I I need my own space, and like, but you know, for a woman that there's no sort of there's not even a, a culturally acceptable way to say I need a room of my own, like a room of one's own. That's from the 1920s. You know, there's no culturally acceptable way for a woman to set up a space for her to be alone in the house. Yeah, I mean. But I, I, I needed it to be more explained for me. Yes, you know that's right. I like, well, that's what I'm saying. Be... We're not 45 year old mothers. No, we don't. We ha- we're we're at the. There's like this time in a woman's life that we're just at the beginning of, and someone Blair's kind of at the end of, where like, you're not a mother yet, and you don't know if you're going to have children necessarily, and like the world kind of splits into mothers and non-mothers for a bit, and hmm. that that women's, like, there's a lot, a lot of social pressure around around our age in the mid-30s particularly, around you're not really an adult yet if you haven't become a mother for women. Mm. There's a lot of that stuff. And it's incredibly fascinating and, and almost all like social rather than biological. Like there's obviously people want to have children. It's a, There is a biological desire to have children, but the way the world is set up is extremely hostile to having children. It's extremely hostile to women. <laughs> and it's a really interesting like thing to examine. But mm. I think... You only understand it if you are in the middle of it. No, but it's also, I mean, I need to understand how she is feeling. That's right. She's on the the, other side of it. She needs to explain that better. But the concept is that this is like so universal that every single mother will completely understand Mm. it. But everybody has different experiences. Everybody has different experiences of life and motherhood and all Mm. this stuff. So she needs to, uh, the script needs to, because it it, it described perfectly well how he was feeling. Right. (laughs) Even though he went way off topic. But but that was a Nicholas case. The implication, although it's not fully explained, is that she's feeling the same way, is that like you get to a point in life you've had children and, and your dreams didn't work out how they were supposed to work out. I disagree with that because the rest of the movie implies that she feels a different way. Right. The rest of the movie implies that she feels as though she's not needed fully anymore and she's trying to find something to go back to that will 
fulfill her. Yes. Right? And, and because And that's yeah. a different thing to what he's feeling. He's feeling trapped. Mm. She's not feeling trapped, right? She's so, ready she's had the yes, yeah, she's ready to kind of step back into the world after going into motherhood land for a bit. Well, she's re- I mean, but she also kind of doesn't want to. She liked being a mother and she mm. liked having that connection with her kids and she feels like she's losing that as well. Right. So like so she's losing you too. There's all these implications of those things yeah. happening in this movie, but she does never like she isn't given a, an, an opportunity there to fully express that. And maybe there's something in that about like people not expressing themselves and mm. I don't know, something like that, but it it frustrated me because it doesn't get to the heart of what this movie is about and then the thing is they turn into non-characters for the second half of the film a lot of it Mm. um there's a lot of flashback stuff which i really liked i like the structure of this movie a lot Mm. um but we need that kind i feel like that needed to be fully fleshed out yeah fully you know explained to its conclusion rather than just left hanging and i feel like that's the thing with this movie a lot it's left hanging and that's the problem with the ending as well right and also if we're talking about things being left hanging so in that scene, Nick Cage destroys the pool table. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they go downstairs, they see the destroyed pool table, kids are trapped in the basement, all this stuff. I really thought that that might come back at some point well, as a plot point. Watching, and it never does. And, and the, the, yeah, and the thing you want to go through is the kids and also the grandparents, like, fully understanding what, like, you want the kids to understand what's going on with their parents. Like, there's a... Is it, they're probably a bit young, but there's a developmental stage where you finally understand your parents mm. as people as opposed to just caregivers. And what they want is that catharsis of the kids, like work, seeing the pool table, working out, like hearing about what the argument was that led to that and why their parents are feeling that way and understanding them. Maybe but the girl. The boy is definitely he's way not. Too, no, uh, the girl's probably too young for it as well. It's the kind of thing that happens in your like late 20s, right? It, it's a – but. Like it doesn't close that loop. It doesn't close the loop of them being understood. And there's an interesting loop to close as well because they bring in um, Nick Cage's parents because, of course, all parents want to kill – all biological parents want to kill their biological children. The rules aren't super clear, but it seems like if it's your child that you gave birth to, they they never test it out with any adopted – They kind of do because the the sister – goes to the hospital with her boyfriend mm. specifically who's in not the dialogue the father of who's the baby not the fa- yet. yeah and he doesn't try and kill the baby yes that's so yeah even though he has a connection with the child and he's obviously there to be supportive and everything yeah, yeah so, so it's yeah biological yeah. yeah i think i think that is there to show that it's a biological this they're exploring a biological rage not like if it's a, if they're adopted or something like that yeah. then they won't have it so there's an interesting story as well with the, the grandparents, like which I, I think I leaned over and whispered to you like really early in the movie. I was like, where are the grandparents mm. here? But the of that, of like him understanding where his dad is coming from and they try and get at it with the scene with the son where he talks about the car and how he mm. ruined his dad's car, but they don't quite get at that either, which is Nick Cage is coming to the developmental stage where he realises what his parents were going through when they were raising him as a teenager. And mm. they they – Instead of just the way it happens, the, the grandparents show up for dinner and then, like, ah, murderous rage ensues. Mm. And then, then you get this great tension of, like, the parents trying to kill um, – the Nick Cage's parents trying to kill him, but then the, they, they're, they're not trying to kill their own grandchildren, but Nick Cage is trying to kill his kids. Yeah. Like, it's this great, like, um, there's – that everybody swaps roles into like protector mode and then out of protector mode mm. and then don't hurt my son kind of it's really uh, like don't hurt my grandson but yeah it's really interesting yeah it is really that that stuff is quite fun 
and there's a it's a there's a really interesting. Uh, I don't like when movies go out of their way to have women fight women and men fight men. Yeah, yeah. Just to get that out of the way. But in this movie, it kind of worked for me just because there's this tense scene with the women in the in the kitchen where the the um, grandmother is like to the do- to the daughter-in-law is like you were never good enough and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and doesn't have the the desire to kill her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then. So Selma Blair's trying to stop the grandmother from killing Nicolas Cage, mm. but is also still interested in killing her own daughter. So that scene was quite like interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it because it and it digs into that mother-in-law daughter-in-law relationship, which is again one that's mostly socially constructed, but also partly biological. Kendall isn't even your real name. No, <laughs> isn't K- even a real isn't name. even a real name. Yeah, that that was annoying to me because I. I know someone called Kendall, and I then I like found out the origins of it. It is actually a real name. No, I know. But anyway, it, the, it's it's not that it's not a real name. It's that like it's it's, it's that fashion. Yeah, it's a fashionable fashion modern name. But it, yeah. it made me it made me laugh because it is that very kind of it's, the names that are in fashion that weren't in fashion. So you're like, oh no, you can't have that name. It's dumb. Kind yeah, of um, idea. It's yeah. just funny to me. My, my husband has a cousin called Kendall, and, and she's lovely. But I mean, and also um, they called their kid Brent. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know. Look at look at the. Um, but it, no, Kendall suffers from the. Is is one of those ones where it's like it suffers from the Tiffany problem. You heard about the Tiffany? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so it suffers from that. Yeah, and um, yeah. It's not that I just, have a problem with the name Kendall. I found the line funny. Oh, the line was fantastic. Yeah. Like people who call their child Brent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why no, I not throw stones. I thought it was so funny because it is so like it's such a mm. like snobby, dumb kind mm, of but idea. It, but it is something that's so ingrained in a lot of parents. Yeah, and you see Nick Cage doing that to the um, boyfriend as well. Well, it's interesting. The boyfriend and the best friend are both called Riley. Are they? Yeah, there's two Rileys. One's a girl. One's a boy. I'm pretty sure the boyfriend's called Riley. Now I've now I have to double check, but that would be neat if it is the case. I don't. Oh no! Wait, the boyfriend's the Damon, yeah, and the best friend is Riley. Sorry, yeah. look confused. I think I that's Riley just because t- it's confusing who's texting at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and Riley could be work for either gender. So yeah, yeah. um, the at the beginning of the movie, I laughed really hard because there's this whole thing where Nicolas Cage is like, "Yeah, he's a junior and you're a sophomore," and I'm like, "Uh huh," and you are how much older than Selma Blair, which is a lot less than I thought it was, but still eight years, like, which yeah. is more than one. <laughs> Yeah, like, like quite a bit, a few years older than Selma Blair. I know. I mean, that's just hypocrisy. It is, but that's also the uh, it's also age of consent difference. Like a seventeen year old versus a fifteen year old. There's an age of con- the age of consent is sixteen anyway. But yeah, but th- yeah. they're only one year apart. No, so I there know. wouldn't be an and age he, of consent and he's just, issue. Well, he's the he's, Romeo and Juliet law would apply there, right? Yes, yes, probably because there's only one. If there's only a, one, it's to less two than two years, years but, difference. Yeah, yeah there's a um, uh, but. Yeah, but it, it's very it's it's utterly ridiculous because as a seventeen year old, what we're shown of him in flashbacks is he absolutely would have been dating sixteen year old girls, and he's yes. had a double standard for his own daughter. Again, mm. a fairly a socially, um, societally inflicted but very common developmental stage for fathers. Yes, yeah, exactly, and and it is uh, it, it's just like I like those things because that's where the movie is really clever because it's yeah. coming back on its own. Like it, right. it, it is aw- self-aware of those things, right? Like it is not mm. um, that that hypocrisy of Nicolas Cage's is is implied, like as part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is implied to be hypocritical. Mm. He is implied to be, you know, the things that he is saying are different to the things that he does and that he did when he was younger. Mm. It's not a movie where that's like a plot hole. That is something that's built into it, mm. which I enjoyed and, um. Yeah, I but to me, 
I just don't like that all these things are left hanging because, I mean, Selma Blair is the most kind of fleshed out and sympathetic character at mm. the beginning of the film, but she never gets a, a closed proper, story. You no. Know, proper resolution. A proper resolution. Yeah. Um, I mean, not in the same way that, say, the daughter or – I mean, mm. the daughter sort of has the most complete story in a sense – in that she gets to then parrot back the words to her mother mm. that her mother said at the beginning of the film, right? Yeah. So that's that's the most complete story, but it's still like there's no closure of what, like, how are they going to resolve this? Yeah, no, there isn't. Or is there just going to be a zombie land type dystopian wasteland right. following this craziness? Like, what's the result of this? I want to know that. Right. And the... Um, I want this to follow through. Yeah. It's got lots of great ideas. Like, the ideas in this are very interesting, but that the storytelling is where it's let down. Mm. That sort of resolution. Because I was just thinking about Riley's mother, for example, who overtly says that she's jealous of her daughter. Mm. Um, and th- that ties into a lot of, like, very ancient myths about women, um, you know, getting past a certain age and becoming jealous of their daughters and, and, and again, the midlife crisis thing about parents wanting to prove they're still relevant and all that sort of thing. And, I, and that stuff is so fascinating to mm. me, but then you kind of – you often just get, like, jerked out of those interesting things before they've, they've so- sorted themselves out. I liked that one because she did – overtly ref- reference social pressures yeah yeah to be to look hot still right and, and they're, they're drinking their green juice and they're going yeah. to yoga with and their, then she's like i want to get real drink and stuff yeah, yeah and they she feels alive because the yoga instructor still thinks she's hot mm. and yeah it, it was fascinating that stuff yoga they weren't doing yoga. whatever the hell that was <laughs> doing some sort of like sexy dance class i, I yeah it looked like one of those like butt you know the the specific it's probably or something yeah um <laughs> But it, yeah, it was. It, I mean, I, I quite, yeah. The uh, well, adult but it was quite. Was but it was deliberately also like not meant to be like a class you would recognize. It was meant to like put all the sexualized aspects of exercise, and there's a, then that sort of performative aspect of exercise as well. Mm-hmm. Like when you're middle aged, you're expected to wear your active wear and go to the gym and like, you know, act like your muscles are still firm and try your hardest to, I don't know, fight against time. Yes, mm. and that's what she says. Yes, um, yes. Which I and um, but that's the thing is that Selma Blair's so fleshed out. Nicolas Cage is such a hard character to get a grip on, apart from like, ooh, Nicolas Cage is doing Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Not just that, but like, he's he when he was young, he was wild, and now he's a dad. That's his whole, and he misses being wild. Yeah, that's his whole character. That's yes. all he's got, and he doesn't really do anything beyond that. And, and there's no sense of a journey there either. Like, no. there's no sense of like falling in love with her and the wanting to settle down and wanting to have children. Because the thing is, like, you don't just go from being this wild young guy to being this dad and who misses that. You you know, it's it's steps. You know, you're wild and part of being wild is you love having sex. And so you, you end up finding someone you want to have sex with forever and then you have lots of sex and you want to decide you want to have a baby. Like, it's all – it happens in stages, right? Yeah. And so there's no sense of that journey of him – well, I think getting there. he's lost sight of that journey. Yeah, he's he just has. remembering being. He's just remembering he's, being young, and he's, he's not remembering all the other good bits about, you know, ha- like having the children and, and and being married and and he's being recently stable settled, and, uh, suffered a kickback at work, and she's a stay-at-home mum, which is mm. also re- relatively unrealistic in today's society. But that's okay. Yeah, um, especially once your kids are like eight, very few mothers are still staying at home. 
Right. And she wants to get back into work. But even then, like, the, she's got a teenager. I mean, I feel like she would be working for a long time before that. Yeah, um, yeah, you, you would be. Like, the, that. that is actually quite unrealistic where she goes and asks, a, like, someone, the last time she talked to anyone about working was 15 years ago. That's it. That seems unlikely. Yeah. So, that, but that's all kind of, um, you know, that it's, it's broad strokes and things like that. Mm. I get that. But she gets a lot more to do than he does. He's just mm. asleep on his desk at work. <laughs> like <laughs> because he's watched porn yeah it's implied that he did but then we don't the the sounds when he when he wakes up that's gone yeah yeah so it i think he was actually just having dreaming a sex about dream it. yeah yeah like that i thought he was watching porn as well but yeah, yeah. i think he was just that would actually make sense but yeah i think he was just having dirty dreams and right and the, yeah and he, he's but he's had a setback at work but also he's clearly not that excited about his job yeah like he's just sleeping in the middle of it um, so, I mean, yeah, it's all that, that whole, like, also the movie almost went somewhere interesting twice. Um, <laughs> there's this moment when Selma Blair's getting home and she's in the car and she hears on the radio, don't go to your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, maybe it'll have a bit of tension where she like tries to not go and then, yeah. but then she just shows up and I'm like, no, come on. Yeah. Cause like, they're pulled, like drag that out a bit because the radio announcer deliberately says it'll go against every instinct you have Mm. to not go to your children but don't go to your children um and yeah there's no there's nothing like and the the scene at the hospital plays that out the best oh it's so good when the when the nurse takes the the baby from her because she doesn't they don't know yet that it's just parents yeah so the aunt would be fine and they want to protect the baby as well i and so one of the things I love the most about this movie is that they have a competent teacher. They do. A competent teacher who, like, likes his job and clearly cares about the kids that he's teaching but also gets frustrated with them. He applies appropriate sanctions to them. Yes, exactly. Yep. And then, and like, in an entertaining way, you know. And he protects the kids too. Like, the, the teachers stand between the children and their parents to protect them. Exactly. And he tries to get the kid back when he when the – the boy Kevin <laughs> goes over the fence. Yeah, yeah. And he, he tries to bring him back. He's he tra- a great teacher. He's I've, trying so hard to protect those kids. I was so happy. <laughs> this, of it's, all movies, yeah. show a really good, competent teacher. It's not a common trope. It's it, And it shows, like, all the professionals in a kid's life who are there for them. Yeah. And it, and it's nurses. Nurses and, yeah. And, and, yeah, like, hospital staff and, and like, Weird, all that. crazy kind of- cops. Yeah, and it, um, and it shows them like actually doing the job well and and competently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That was you know, one was... of the nicest things was watching the teachers try and protect the children. Mm. It's you never see that. I know, but I in real life, really in real life, that's really common. Like mm. every time there's a school shooting, you hear of teachers who died protecting children. Yeah, and, and administrators and yeah. Things. I mean, and, I've been like we've had things where like you know there's been kids coming to the school to beat up other kids and you have to go out and be in between them in front and of things them. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it all the time and it's very rarely appreciated. It, no, unless the poor teacher involved dies. And we know it's a thing that people do, uh, that teachers do. And yeah. it's very nice. I thought, yeah, I was like, it was so exciting to me to see this teacher who was just like mm. an average Joe teacher who, you know, was trying to get the kids engaged in what they were talking that guy, about. Stuff. I recognize I that, that guy fun. too. I feel like he's a Canadian or something. I didn't probably. He was. He did a good job, and the kids clearly also like they were rolling their eyes at him and getting annoyed with him. But they also clearly respected that's him because they were quiet. <laughs> and that's what. That's exactly right. It, it was a very realistic dynamic. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I I really enjoyed that. That was and yeah. So there were bits of this movie I did really like. 
But then mm. also um, there's another moment where it almost gets interesting when Selma Blair seems to have a moment of realisation in the kitchen of what's happening. And, like when the mother, when the parents trying to kill her husband and she's like, oh, wait, this is what I'm trying to do to my kid. Yeah. But the movie seems to just want to brush right past that and move on really quickly. Well, that's why I without- said that, that whole last scene with the parents-in-law, with Nick Cage's parents, is fascinating where everyone switches roles all the time. Yeah, you could definitely spring that out a bit more. Um, I know that it wanted to keep moving, but it, they, I, they could have done more interesting things with well, that. And, the, and it did definitely kept moving. But like I said, it was almost a bit too much. Mm. Like there's those scenes that weren't given enough time to breathe. Um, there are others where you get pulled in and pulled out of things too quickly. Um, yeah. But it was it's it's very clever and interesting structure. Like they were definitely being – they were definitely trying to do something interesting with the way it was told. And that hyperkinetic style is very Brian Taylor. Like mm. that is what he does. Yeah. Um, if anybody has seen Crank or Gamer, which I've also seen Gamer, that movie is bananas. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> I mean, this was bananas. But <laughs> well, – yeah, this was – I mean, yeah, this was also Bananas, but, like, it – Gamer kind of has – throws the trope out the window frequently. Right. Like, the the core, core concept out the window for, like, a, a weird choreographed dance – I think that's the one. The weird choreographed dance move from um, Michael C. Hall, a dance scene with Michael C. Hall and all of his servants. Right. Um, and things like – like, it's it's weird in a way that this movie is not. This movie is very, very – like committed to its its um concept mm. it is a concept movie yes definitely like and and i like the beginning when like there's a Shaun of the dead type of aspect mm-hmm. where everybody's going crazy in the background but the main characters don't necessarily notice it yet and, yeah um, yep. and it's still not clear exactly what the rules are yeah. and all that stuff and man that hospital scene is so it bit, is when it, so when well it's shot from the ground and the mother's coming towards the the and the blood dripping the blood. down yeah, her legs yeah, yeah i love that yeah it was so um, – it, it didn't – like, it was really perfect. Like, it didn't mm. shy away from the violent reality of birth and, mm. like, replacing yourself. Like, having a child is extremely violent. And, like, mm. re- the the act of replacing yourself as a, as a human is something that you're biologically driven to do and also extremely violent and, like, life-changing. And it was mm. – that it really well – really well done and, and Selma Blair and probably her stunt person doing some great stunt work like holding a fake baby and mm-hmm. like but but we do think it's a real baby so like she's she flies through a door hold like holding onto this kid and it's incredibly tense. Mm. She's great in the movie too. I, I think Selma Blair out out acted Nicolas Cage in pretty much everything. Yeah she I think she outacted um, everyone in this film. Yeah, That's probably is, why it, it concentrated on her she was yeah. so much better and able to do the material um but it does also give Nicolas Cage a few moments to really kind of crazy out in the best way possible that is really really fun um mm. so there's and also it's really like when they start trying to kill their kids there's this great tension between like the sympathy for the kids but also this glee in like what they're doing and how completely kind of mindlessly they're doing it and how it's like a bonding romantic experience for the two of them yeah like you know they're they're bonding over this thing and they're working together and he's like you're so smart honey and all this sort of stuff was really kind of (laughs) it's a saws it's saws oh yeah oh my god it's great that's also that um another really interesting like idea about how what happens to marriages after children Mm. come along and and like where um you know couples end up being more like business associates and all that kind of thing and it takes something like 
like having a child is a really bonding experience, but then like raising one is not. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. And there's also um, in that, that basement scene that we talked about before, there's this line from Selma Blair where she's like, you know, women also have like drives and work desires. Career and ambitions. Career ambitions and-, and things. And it all, you know, goes away because we have to do this thing, which could have also, again, come to an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. But they just let that go. But yeah, so because well, um, yeah, that sense of like hanging over your head, that sense of like biological destiny, <laughs> I think is a very real thing. And examining that, um, you know, the social versus the biological aspects of that is fascinating to me. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't really. It doesn't. It doesn't get to go anywhere. It's sort of. I yeah. I feel like this movie is, just has a ton of ideas about what it wants uh, to do. The, so it puts all those ideas in those flashbacks and then doesn't follow through on any of it and the thing is we don't actually get to see her as a young single person like we see him in his trans am and the naked girl and all that or the topless girl and stuff we don't actually see her when she's young and a designer and all that kind of thing um we don't actually see what she was like before probably because it's really easy to um cast a young nick cage and be like oh it's a different person whereas casting a young selma blair who doesn't look like selma blair you're like (laughs) but but like you could have just put her in it. I mean, honestly, yeah. she could star in Cool Intentions again now. Like she looks so amazing. You'd probably want to do a bit of CG, but yeah, yeah, a little bit, little bit of CG. But she looked great. I know, and she's she was older than the rest of the cast when she did Cool Intentions. She was like twenty five yeah. or something playing this is, a thirteen. This is why I had so much trouble with the ages in this movie. Right, though. like I really was like. Nick Cage is like sixty, and she's like thirty something in my head. Yeah, no, I I just I. No, she. I to me, she actually does look like her actual age now. But um, she does like for she Hollywood, looks good I guess. for her age. Not, don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I don't was, know. I feel like she doesn't look older than me. Yeah, and she's what a few years old. Like she's like a whole decade older. Ten than, years older than me. So more than a decade. She's a decade older than me, which makes right. her like twelve years older than you. I I don't feel like she looked. I don't know. It. it and also, yeah, she was playing a teenager in – to my mind, she was playing a teenager when Nicolas Cage was already playing dads. So in my yeah, head, yeah. he could have been her dad. Which is, is accurate. Yeah. But – There's actually only an eight-year eight yeah. gap. Yeah. And to me, he looks older than he is. So, yeah, it, uh, that, this movie messed with my head in some ways in terms of the mm-hmm. ages. It was it was just funny. Also, it was funny to me to hear Nicolas Cage go, God, I was a young man. Like, it felt like five minutes ago. Which it – Sure, it felt like five minutes ago, but, but it he, wasn't. But by the time he had his first kid, he was in his late 30s. Mm. Like, it's not like he was, you know, suddenly got a girl pregnant and settled down. No, no. He was... He had in plenty... But it, it, doesn't, it never feels like it, does it? Like, we're in our mid-30s now, and it doesn't feel like we've had ages to be young. Like, it doesn't to me. Well, I mean, it. I feel like my experience of that is, is different just because, like the stuff that other people seem to want to do when they were young I just didn't want to do so it's different mm-hmm. but he he had like he's thinking he's remembering back from when he was like 18 yeah yeah and he had there was and a whole 50 probably, right and he, and he's and so he probably had the daughter at like 38 right, who worked exactly. out so which is like that's a lot of time there's 20 20 years of um doing whatever you want and having all that time to get wherever you wanted to get in your career and whatnot yeah and he's not a man who can play younger no. Like it just he's not. He you know, he's not somebody who you look at and go, Oh yeah, he could be in his forties. It's that doesn't work. Um but anyway, um and yeah, that that is one of the reasons. Like the um but yeah, that was funny to me. 
but I don't think it necessarily tracks from the movie that it was funny to me. It just was funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and like yeah, Selma Blair, her whole transition is so much fun as well. From like the loving mother who's really struggling to connect with her daughter and trying to use this slang that she's too old for mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff to like the arm coming out of the cupboard trying to stab <laughs> them with a coat hanger is really great. Like oh my god. And, and the, I think that the teenage girl as well did a really good job. Mm. Um, I don't remember her name. Um. And something and winters, I want to say. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a name. That it's a seems name a that lot sounds like it would be someone Selma Blair's age. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or the grandmother's age, even. Yeah, um, actually, yes. And winters is yeah. the teenager. So she was really good in that she had most of the emotional kind of. Uh, she had to do most of the emotional heavy lifting for the second back half of the movie because mm. um, the kid's not really capable of. I mean, the the actor might be fine, but he's not given anything to do. Yeah, yeah. His best scene is when he gets the gun and he's in his underwear. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that was like he, he kind of has these moments where I feel like he could do quite well. Yeah, yeah. But they don't really flesh out that character. It's like they don't – this guy doesn't know what kids that age are <laughs> actually like. <laughs> well, so he doesn't like, know they go to school. So. Yeah, so he's like, eh, we'll just – you know, he can just do nothing Yeah. Um, and run away a lot. Yeah, the, so the girl has to do most of the heavy lifting yeah. emotionally. She has to do a lot of the work. Um, also, I like the kind of little Home Alone as- touches. Yeah, yeah. Like the really clever kind of idea to gas the kids out of the basement. And they go through the whole process of doing that, which was really right. entertaining and to the, me. But also the kids at the same time are like working out how to get behind into yeah. the boiler room and then climb up through the roof. The, the daughter is. The, the boy yes, is he's, coughing. Yeah, he's not. Uh, well, yeah, which makes sense because he's smaller and so would be affected by the it gas earlier. It does make sense, but also gives him so. I mean, he shoots his mom at one point. Which yeah, is, which is great. Uh, yeah, a real subversion as well. Like those, those are real subversive moments about like gun culture and things like mm. that and the the putting the matches on the door was really clever yeah um things like that were really clever and and neat little tricks and things yeah but man that that boy the boyfriend i was like you need to get out of there you yeah. are getting hurt more than anybody Do else not be, of all people get stay out of this go go somewhere else but he's so heroic and I kind know. and such a nice kid and he tries to protect everybody. Yeah. Like he protects not only his girlfriend but the little boy as well in several yeah. places. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, watching them all like watching, you know, Selma Blair try to protect her husband and the kid trying to protect his dad yeah. who's trying to kill him from the grandfather who's trying to kill the dad and, was also the, like all these moments. The grandparents trying to so, protect the kids and, yeah. That kid's so dumb too. Like every time that they could get away is stopped by him going, Mom, Dad, and you're like, no, stop it. Yeah. I know that you were – like it. I feel like that kid should have been cast as like a four-year-old and it would make so much more yeah, sense. Yeah, he went, yes, it would actually make a lot more sense. Yeah. Also when the, the housekeeper killed the daughter – that was really like the, such a um, cool, weird moment. Uh. But the, the yeah, why is that daughter there again? Like, right, she's not four either. No, she's just there to prove the situation is serious for the little boy. Mm. But yeah, uh, there's also this kind of somebody should have at some point gone. We're safe as long as we stay with somebody else's. <laughs> like you know, we'll protect other people's kids. Yeah, I want to see the movie after this where everybody works out how to live in. <laughs> This world or something like that, you know. This well, movie didn't scratch that itch for me. Y- yeah, you know who else wants to make a sequel up? of this movie? Brian Nick, Taylor, Nick Cage, Nick Cage. So maybe you'll get your wish. Well, he seemed to be having a good time, which is good. I mean, yeah. sometimes he's just phoning it in, but he wasn't. No, this. no, it was great. He he doesn't. He isn't. Um, he seemed to have a lot of fun. He went out like on the festival circuit promoting it. So. And he his, I mean, the relationship between him and the kids seemed genuine. It was just strange. Yeah, like he 
swears in front of that young actor frequently. Um, and I guess the kid had to be a certain age to hear that story. But yeah. he's too young. I mean, he's too old. It, it, it reminded me of the casting of Dawn in Buffy, mm. where they clearly meant to have her be like a 12-year-old and she's 15. Mm. You know, like they. it seems like that kind of, I don't know what kid ages are. Yeah, um, or what's what's appropriate in front of a kid, yeah. Yeah, well, it, I don't know if that like is I don't, on I'm the not, nose purposefully Like I'm not surprised he swears in front of his children. Like he that exactly seems like that. It comes across funny in a movie. Though. I did, I didn't notice it, but then I'm a person who grew up in a family where swearing wasn't considered a big deal. So, yeah, I th- yeah, and it, swearing in front of children was not really like a, you know, nobody really worried about it that much. Yeah, it seems it it seems odd in a movie, and and in a movie that's so heavily tropified, it's odd that this dad is so unlike what you would think a dad would be like. Yeah, but yeah, it's a. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed a lot of things about this movie, but I feel like it it just sets too many things up and doesn't close them for me to fully enjoy it. And that mo- ending kind of ruined it a bit for me because I yeah. was like, but now what? Right. Like you can't just leave it with the parents tied up in the basement and the kids, you know. And the kids watching over them. Like something's got to happen. There's yeah, got to be a reason. There's got to be a denouement somehow. And the – Pool ball rolls towards Nick Cage and he touches it with his hand and there's no result of that either. No. Like, why set things up if you're not going to follow them through? Yeah. Yeah. So, shall we do the hard bit and try and rate it? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it three stars. I kind of already had thought about what I was going to rate it and I, I did really enjoy it. It's a really enjoyable movie, but um, it frustrates me that it doesn't follow through on it. Yeah, and I'm going with three stars as well for this for similar reasons. Like it was really fun. Mm. Uh but I I but for me definitely like not for everyone. Yeah. And I mean, but the thing is like I do have real problems with bad things happening to kids, but this movie because it's the whole premise of it. Yeah. Like, you know, which it allows you time and space to explore that. Yes, exactly. And it's like it and it doesn't kind of revel in the joy of hurting children. Mm. It more revels in the parents' joy of being free, yeah, without ever going into that territory of it being really nasty, yeah. Um, so I think it works on that. Like, it's not a nasty film against children per se, just against like the um, nuclear family kind of yeah. concept. Yeah, that's um, right. So yeah, that and and you know, if you're going to go see this movie, you know what's going to happen, so you have to be. <laughs> Like prepared, prepared for, for that. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas when if it's part of a movie where they don't notice that they're doing horrible things to children, it annoys me a lot more. Mm, definitely. All right. Well, I guess I'll wrap up so we can go and attend to our various pets and see if they've <laughs> killed each other in the time while we've been we're recording quiet for a long time now. They have. So we'll see. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on the website silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.